From South Carolina Public Radio, this is the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on October 5th, 2023 from South Carolina Public Radio Studios here in Columbia. This episode is a dedicated economy pod. EconPod. That's right. If that doesn't sound cool, well, it is. Okay, guys? Because it's connected to everything. Everyone's talking about it all the time. If you don't like money, you know where to send it, folks. EconPod. Also, we're talking about the housing market. EconPod. Right? Double whammy of cool stuff. All the good stuff. We talk with Dr. Joey Von Nessen with the University of South Carolina and Nick Kremitis with South Carolina Realtors. And it's going to be a little fun. A.T. Shire producer, A.T. Shire, might show up in this episode, folks. Ooh. <laughs> okay, okay, that's fine. And uh, intern Grace is in the wind-down section with us talking about, well, you'll find out. Anyway, the lead loves hearing from everyone. That's why we have a voicemail box set up at 803-563-7169. We want to hear what you're talking about, what you think about the economy. Econ pod. Are you buying? Are you selling? Are you selling and buying? Hold. Let us know. 803-563-7169. Welcome to our econ pod. Econ pod, crypto, data, stock market, diamond hands to the moon, to the moon, to the moon, to the moon. Gavin, Gavin, come on, baby, come back, come on. Whoa, what just happened? Is that producer A.T. Shire right there? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to step in. What are you doing talking right now? I'm sorry, I thought it was South of Spooky. Oh, yeah, I've heard of that pod, it's pretty good. Sorry, I was just reading the Wall Street Journal while watching Bloomberg and listening to Chair Jerome Powell on One Ear Bud, so it's really busy. It was very dangerous there. We almost lost you, you were lost in the sauce, but... But gladly mm. we're back, okay? Mm, okay, well, I better take it easy. I know this economic talk can get everyone pretty spun up, uh, especially when we talk about consumer spending remaining incredibly strong amid this stubborn inflation. Data. And the labor market is red hot with South Carolina's unemployment rate at 3% in August. Data. It really makes you wonder if the Federal Reserve can make a soft landing despite higher interest rates, which they held steady around 5.5% in September. Data. Even though rumors of a recession are coming back again. It's quite something, right, AT? Data. Oh, God. Uh, I spoke too soon. I it's think he might be broken. Really interesting that no I one's think- talking. We're losing him, y'all. We're losing him. This is going to take some time. So how about we listen to Gavin's interview with our go-to economic guy, Dr. Joey Von Nessen, friend of the pod. He's a research economist at the University of South Carolina, Darla Moore School of Business. Now, Gavin spoke with him on This Week in South Carolina, or TWISC, as we say in the biz, on September 19th and opened by asking Joey, what is making the economy so strong right now? Well, I would say the one word that we can use to describe the economy right now is resilient. It's been very resilient in the face of these ongoing interest rate hikes that we've seen that's increased the cost of borrowing money, both for businesses and consumers. We can observe the resilience in terms of consumer spending, which has remained steady. The labor market remains strong, unemployment right around 3% in South Carolina. And even if we look at the housing market, which has been the industry that's been the most affected by these rising rates, and saw a double-digit contraction in terms of sales activity between 2022 and 2023, uh, it has has stabilized as well. So across the board, we're seeing resilience, and that's the good news. The bad news is there are still headwinds that are 
fighting the Fed on the inflation front that are keeping upward pressure on prices. And that's going to continue to make it difficult for the Fed to get inflation down to 2.0%, which is what their target rate is. So that's going to continue to be a challenge going into 2024. But the bottom line is that we are more optimistic that we can hit that soft landing today than we were six months ago. When you talk about just your confidence level when it comes to either just having the soft lane that we're talking about in terms of not having a, a big recession, or do you see as having more of a slowdown? What, where's your confidence right now? My confidence is pretty high. I would say there's less than a 50% chance that we see recession within the next year because of the resilience of the economy so far. But we are likely to see a further slowdown because the, the other factor we have to consider is that we've had almost a dozen interest rate hikes over the past 18 months. And we are just now at the point where some of these interest rate hikes are going to begin taking effect because it can take almost two years for a given interest rate hike to be fully absorbed, for the effects of it to be fully absorbed in the U.S. economy. So we are we are certainly not there yet. So going into 2024, these lagged effects of all the interest rate hikes that we've seen over the last 18 months uh, are still going to come to pass. And so the question is, how much is that going to continue to pull back economic activity? Uh, I want to talk about inflation and CPI, the Consumer Price Index, which uh, has cooled from its 9.9% high last June to about 3.7% in August. How are you viewing this current inflation data as we're seeing it uh, at these annualized rates? Things are slowing down, but are they slowing down fast enough? Are we kind of stuck in a little uh, weird stagnant spot, in your opinion? Well, I think if we look at the core inflation rate, that gives us the best gauge of the underlying inflation of the economy as a whole. And core inflation is when we look at all goods and services, but we throw out food and energy prices because those tend to be very volatile. So if we throw that out, uh, we see that core inflation has steadily come down from its peak back in the summer of 2022. And that's again, been very consistent, which is very positive. However, it's still over 4%, currently at 4.3%, so we still have a ways to go there. So, so the good news is that that measure of inflation, which is really the best representation of the underlying inflation level of the economy, that's been steadily coming down. On the flip side, as we go forward into 2024, we've talked about some of the upward pressures on inflation that are still there. Two of those are uh, ones that we need to be very concerned about. One is the labor shortage that is still ongoing, and that's putting upward pressure on wages across the board. And so that's increasing the price level in the service sector. And that's where much of this inflation uh, that still remains is, is coming from. The second element that is less talked about, I think, is the movement away from globalization in the United States. And that's happening for a variety of reasons, including more geopolitical uncertainty, particularly with China, more U.S. onshoring by manufacturers who are worried about uh, supply chain disruptions. And when you see a reduction in globalization, that limits the supply chain of many U.S. producers. And so that limits competition and, and that prevents a, a decline in price levels. So anytime you're reducing globalization, that's going to put upward pressure on, on prices. So you put those two factors together, and that's what is fighting the Fed in, in, in this battle against inflation going into 2024. So there's still some factors at play, even though inflation is coming down. And when we talk about global markets, too, you know, we were just talking about gas prices. Oil prices have been steadily increasing uh, a lot because of supply cuts uh, due to economic slowdowns in places like China and Germany. Uh, so are high gas prices here to stay because of this uh, demand issue? Or what, what's your read on that when it comes to the global economy as well? 
Well, I'd say in general, if we look at energy prices, that is affecting our trading partners. So getting back to the, the global economy, particularly with respect to Germany, which we see is in recession right now, um, one of the, the top trading partners for, for South Carolina. Uh, that's going to affect our economy already is and, and likely will impact our growth levels and in going into, into 2024. Uh, but having said that, if we look at energy prices overall, those are notoriously hard to forecast. So it's very difficult to get a, a real read on where those are headed in, in 2024. Uh, but there's no question that uh, energy prices do affect what's happening in the U.S. and in South Carolina, and especially for consumers who are uh, already uh seeing the pinch from inflation. And so any further increase in, in gas prices, for example, is going to begin to erode consumer spending, which could uh, jeopardize that soft landing. So so energy prices are going to be at the core of, of what we're looking at for 2024. Yeah, everything affects everything, it seems like. Uh, but Joey, what about when we can start to see these interest rates come down? What's what's going to be the indicator for that in terms of going forward and, and uh, really just, you know, lowering these rates that are affecting everyone from, you know, credit card uh, owners to mortgage-backed securities and the like? The, the real leading indicator that we need to be watching is the labor market. If we begin to see an uptick in unemployment, then that would likely motivate the Fed to begin to look at, at lowering interest rates because when we see a pullback in, in unemployment or see a rise in unemployment, I should say, uh, that's usually a first sign of, of recessionary activity. Um, we have not seen that yet. It doesn't look like that's going to be happening anytime soon, especially if we look at metrics such as the job openings rate, which is still at a level that is far higher than where we were before the pandemic began. The job openings rate simply uh, being the way that we measure uh, the number of jobs that are currently open and unfilled. So it's a, a way of, of looking at the number of help wanted signs in, in, in the window. Um, so as long as that's relatively high and higher than it was before the pandemic, the labor market is is likely to still be in good shape. But if that changes, uh, that would likely signal a change in policy for the Fed. So what does that strength of the labor market say to you? I mean, what more needs to be done to kind of maybe uh, create that soft landing here in South Carolina? Or do you see it just you know, slowly tapering at this point, or is it still very red hot in your opinion? Well, the labor market is still very red hot. I don't think there's any any question about that. Uh, when we look, when we talk to businesses across the board uh, in data that we see, it's very clear that all industries in South Carolina still are struggling to find workers as a whole. So, so the labor market remains strong. Going forward, what we're really looking for is, is actually what we're seeing right now, which is one reason we are optimistic about a soft landing. That is a labor market that remains strong, but a pullback in overall demand. So we have seen some uh, some pullback in consumer spending uh, at the national level. GDP growth has dropped from about 3.2% in the second half of 2022 um, to about 2.5% in the first half of 2023. If we look at job growth in South Carolina, it's still positive, but it's not as strong as it was in, in 2022. So we've seen a pullback in the rate at which uh, we're creating jobs in South Carolina. And all that is consistent with a soft landing, slower positive growth, but no negative effects on the labor market and certainly no layoff activity. And, and so far, uh, that's what we're seeing. Then, Joy, if everything's kind of going to plan, then why is everyone so upset about the economy? We always talk about this. You know, we see the polling numbers that show folks say that they're, they don't feel optimistic about the economy. They don't feel better than they were the year before. I just saw that, I guess, some consumer sentiment numbers have ticked down for a second straight month. Uh, what's your read when it comes to deciphering those polls and how folks feel about the economy versus what we're actually seeing in the data? 
Yeah, that's a great question. And and you're right. There is a very large chasm between what a lot of these economic data show and what people are feeling. And I think the, the bottom line is that that just comes down to inflation. That if we look over the past two, two and a half years or so, uh, we've seen a major difference between the rate at which prices have been going up and the rate at which wages have been going up. So in South Carolina, if we look in total between 2020 and 2023, so basically since the pandemic began, um, inflation has gone up by about 18%. Wages have gone up by about 10%. So that's a huge difference. And that has made meaningful differences to purchasing power for uh, the average American and, and the average South Carolinian. Um, so they're seeing prices go up. They're not seeing their wages uh keep pace. And inflation is something that you see every day. It's not something that we can get away from. You, you see it at the grocery store. You see it at the gas pump when you're buying things online. So inflation permeates every aspect of, of the national and, and the state economy. And so that's what consumers are feeling. And that cumulative effect uh, has had a real meaningful impact on their purchasing power. So despite the fact that inflation is actually coming down now, uh, meaning that we're not seeing prices go up as much as we were a year ago, that in a just few months period is not going to make up for that large decline in purchasing power that consumers have felt over the last several years. So, so I think that uh, that divide is really what's driving a lot of the discrepancy in the in the data that we see on consumer sentiment. And Joey, uh, the UAW, the United Auto Workers Union, is striking. Uh, they're doing slow roll auto strikes at the big three automakers over contract negotiations. Uh, when you look at South Carolina and its connection to the automotive industry, how concerned should suppliers be here uh, and manufacturers as well when it comes to these strikes? How do we fit into this uh, supply chain? And then obviously we don't have um, a lot of UAW shops. I don't think we have any down here. But how does that fit in uh, to the whole labor market situation? Well, in the short run, it's not going to be good news for uh, South Carolina or for South Carolinians in terms of consumers, because all this does is exacerbates the supply chain shortages that we've seen in, in the auto industry. And that's going to fuel inflation, has the potential to uh, be another headwind against getting inflation down to 2%. So, so that's going to be a problem in the short run. In the long run, uh, more from a strategic or, or a political standpoint, uh, these auto manufacturers have to be looking at this and asking the question of what is what does this do to the competitive landscape of the southeastern United States and, and South Carolina? Does that make South Carolina more attractive going forward? Because not only are these labor negotiations uh, creating creating disruptions, that is something they have to consider when they're looking at their, their operating procedures. Uh, but also looking at this transition to to EVs and how that's part of the conversation. That's driving a lot of the concerns that these auto workers have as well. Um, so how does that all play out? I think it could it could be advantageous to South Carolina, uh, depending on how it plays out. But but we'll see. Again, that was Joey Von Nessen, a research uh, a research economist at the Darla Moore School of Business at the University of South Carolina. Oh, he's back, everyone. Did you hear our big boy? He's back. What? What do you mean back? I mean, I, I kind of blacked out there thinking about the economy. Econ hot. But uh, yeah, I feel a little weird. Maybe we should chill for a bit, talk about the consistently hot topic of real estate, which, when you're over 30, is the basis of nearly every conversation you have for better or for worse. Well, I don't see the problem with that. You know, when Caitlin and I moved here, we got our house for real cheap and it's appreciated so much. Oh no. And, and, and we're talking about escrow, okay? I mean, we're holding things at escrow and everything is What right, is this? Oh my gosh, right okay. Uh, while I talk AT down, let's keep the econ pod rolling with my interview with Nick Kremitis. CEO of South Carolina Realtors about the housing market right now and how it's been affected by the increase in interest rates. 
So Nick, we just spoke with USC research economist Dr. Joy Von Essen about the economy at large, but we want to talk to you about broadly how the housing uh, market is doing right now and what you're seeing right now in the state when it comes to uh, just the market. The market is experiencing some change. Uh, we've seen uh, uh, sales decline uh, this year compared to last, uh, somewhere in the 15 to 17% range, depending what part of the state you're in. It is normalizing compared to the the, the the very hot market we've had, uh, especially during the pandemic. Uh, after 2019, we saw the, the market just go a little crazy, uh, to be honest. It, it was unsustainable, and we're starting to see that cool off and, and normalize in South Carolina. And interest rates are driving mortgage rates too, so I'm assuming that's helping stabilize things. Um, how, how are you seeing that play out right now with the interest rate increases? Interest rates are the big question mark. Uh, our, our national economist uh, sees interest rates leveling off in the spring of next year, uh, bouncing back down to kind of the mid sixes, maybe lower 6% range. But there is some troubling news on the horizon. The Fed continues to be very aggressive with their inflationary policies which could trigger, instead of a bump down on the interest rates, a bump up. And I've read several reports that see interest rates bouncing up to almost 8%. And we're hovering just above 7% right now, which we were expecting those numbers to be a little bit lower this time uh, this year. Yeah, when we talk about interest rates, Nick, um, you know, I was looking at some data. Gone is the era of like the super low 3% uh, mortgages, but now we're at uh, around 7%. We're not at 18% like back in the 80s. Are we in this era now of maybe reshaping people's thought process to what interest rates should look like? I, I think it is, Gavin. It's very important, especially in real estate, to look at these numbers over a long period, over a historical perspective. Interest rates even at 6% are historically low. Uh, it's a good good uh, return for home buyers. So even if we're bouncing around the 7% range, that's, as you mentioned, near the historical average. Another thing to keep in mind that when we look at these trends in real estate, you've got to look at these long-term numbers because real estate is not, you know, not typically a short-term gain. It's a, it's a long-term investment uh, that most families make. So that being said, Nick, what's your advice to folks right now thinking about buying or selling a home? What should they be doing right now? What should they, what should they be considering right now? First-time home buyers are in a particular crunch right now. Uh, home sales uh, in that market, in that price range, uh, have, have taken a stronger hit than, than any other category uh, in the state. And that's a combination of several things. Number one, inventory continues to be at historic lows. We are years away from catching up with demand, which is the reason why prices, even in this normalizing, slightly declining market, prices continue to climb. Uh, the average sales price last month was over 400,000 in South Carolina for the first time ever. The median sales price continues to climb. That's over now $324,000. These interest rates have made a home from three years ago almost twice as expensive. In South Carolina alone, when you look at the home price change since COVID, since the beginning of the pandemic, home prices in South Carolina have increased almost 48% over a three-year period. So you factor in the rise in the, pr the price of the home, the value of that home, the increased cost to build new, new homes that home builders have, have faced due to supply chain constraints and, and all those other things. You throw in all of the other increased costs in housing, and it's a real crunch for first-time home buyers and, 
and uh, uh, just working class families in South Carolina. You know, there's never going to be the perfect time to buy or sell, but life creates these events. And whether you're downsizing because you're an empty nester or you're growing because you've got new children on the way or uh, you've got other categories of, of life events that impact those processes, uh, you need a trusted advisor to guide you through that process. And working with a local realtor who knows the market, who's competent in that community, uh, is more critical than ever. So Nick, are your trends still holding strong when it comes to in-migration to South Carolina? Are we still seeing those numbers hold up when it comes to possibly retirees and maybe folks moving here for jobs? What are you seeing in terms of those trends when it comes to folks moving to South Carolina? South Carolina continues to be one of the most attractive states to live, work, and play in. And those migration numbers continue to play that out. We're still one of the top three move to states in the country. Uh, and, and ask anyone in, in, in local government right now, Gavin, they are all dealing with growth and development issues uh, all across the state. And how do we grow in a, in, a, in a smart way? How do we grow that addresses infrastructure and service and schools and healthcare? It is uh, creating some chaos in uh, particularly, you know, 70% of this growth is in our coastal communities. And uh, that's where they're struggling with it the most. But what about uh, rural South Carolina, Nick? Uh, we've seen massive amounts of infrastructure money coming from the federal government, whether it's broadband or water and sewer infrastructure upgrades. Do you think that's going to help drive maybe some uh, new development in areas of the state that we typically didn't see it before? Absolutely. We're seeing it already. You look at the, the town of Easley uh, outside of Greenville experiencing growth pains. We were in uh, the town of Greenwood just uh, a few weeks ago. The first topic uh, on the agenda was affordable housing in Greenwood, South Carolina. Uh, we're starting to see migration into the rural areas because development follows infrastructure. You can't, you can't, without water and sewer, without roads, you can't build, you can't develop, you can't attract business. And as we see these infrastructure improvements, we're going to see all of South Carolina benefit from it. Nick, talk to me about affordable housing. You just mentioned it there. We have about 90 seconds left. But what needs to be done to grow quality affordable housing, in your view, here in South Carolina, especially in some of these big metro areas and the smaller cities? We definitely need to get the uh, planning commissions, the local leaders, the, the, the local uh, uh, property owners to the table together. Too often, the knee-jerk reaction to growth and development is to, hey, let's put up a, a, a wall or a fence. Let's, let's enact a moratorium. Let's increase lot sizes uh, to make areas less dense. And, and we all know that in order for good, responsible growth, you've got to have uh, mixed use. You've got to have certain density where the infrastructure is, is there in place. And we need the parties. We need to get a consensus uh, in communities because not every community is the same. But we have to do it in a way that's fair, that doesn't violate fair housing rules, and make sure that our communities are open, inclusive, and diverse. So definitely like one of the top issues for y'all in the housing market um, broadly in South Carolina is affordable housing. It continues to be and will be for the foreseeable future, Gavin. That was Nick Kremitis, CEO of South Carolina Realtors. You can find that interview and more on youtube.com slash South Carolina ETV. Okay, folks, I know that was a lot, so stick around for a wind-down section that is not about the economy. Econ-hot. Intern Grace recounts her first political rally experience. Maybe she'll lose her mind. I mean, we both got it out of the way. <laughs>
Welcome to the wind down section, our little break from the news. We're glad you're here. AT, AT's here, folks. I'm here. AT's here. AT, producer AT, AT producer of the show. I'm speaking only because Gavin told me. Okay, no stop other speaking. Reason. Okay. Okay, start speaking again about voicemails. Yes, we have a voicemail. <laughs> we have a voicemail in the hopper. It is an old friend, and uh, he's on the verge of a big announcement. Oh. Yeah, that's right. You know what we should actually do now that I'm, I'm commanding your speak? Yes. You should talk in my ear, and I should say what you're saying out loud. That's See how fun. good that's going to be. Uh, Maybe we can wait to do that in another episode. That, that is something that our PRX <laughs> that is something that cohort, our PRX cohort, they'll be very, they'll excited. Be very excited. Exactly. This is good. <laughs> this is good. Okay, anyway, Gavin. Yeah, do everything with an echo. Everyone's going to love that, right? Are you ready, Gavin? Are you ready, Gavin? Okay, here we go. <laughs> okay, here we go. Hi, this is Lee and Easley, and I just wanted to point out, after listening to your abortion, Finding Common Ground show, that the only presidential candidate that I know of right now that is actually searching for common ground is Nikki Haley. I have not yet decided to endorse her, but as far as I know, she is the only one pushing for common ground. Thanks very much. I enjoyed the show. Lee from Easley, thanks for calling. Uh, we've been getting a lot of great responses from Scott's piece the, on oh, abortion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, what, 20-some minutes? 23? It was like 23 minutes long. And, you know, he, Scott was like, you know, I, I just can't cut this. I don't know how to cut this, so I'm not going to. We're like, well, we have home yeah, for it. Hey, like, hey put come it on, here. buddy. Bring it over here. And I'm really glad we did. And we had that great discussion with him afterwards because a lot of folks have been talking about that. Exactly so. right. And that's the common ground. That's the discussion, like, we're always trying to create here. Yes. And that's missing, obviously, like, when you look at national cable news. I know. Outrage politics. We're not yelling at each other. Um, But that being said, Lee, when you're ready to announce that endorsement, we please. We want it first. We want it first. We want rights of first refusal. But anyway. Yeah, but it's kind of talking about endorsements really quick before we get to our guest. Uh, We were just talking to a political consultant about Mm. campaign stuff for SC 2024 episodes. And just about what stuck out to me, he said they were doing exit polling and how many people make the decision on who to vote for 72 hours <laughs> before the primary yeah, day? Like, crazy. I'm like, how does that make you feel? He's like, a little, a little peeved. Yeah, like, like, you spent all this time, yeah. all this energy, all this money, and it's like, uh, how'd they do in Iowa? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> what? <laughs> like, so, a little grana. Speaking grana of people right on the trail and guests, it is Friday, Gavin. Oh, TGIF. And what does that mean? TGIF. The TGIF means thank oh, of God course. it's Friday. Uh, thank God. Grace yes. exactly free? free today to talk <laughs> to, to talk. us. So yes, we do have <laughs> Grace. intern Grace. Welcome to the show. Welcome back. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be back. Oh, we're so Grace, happy to have you. Intern Friday. What's the T going to stand for? Then? Uh, that's today, Grace. T- intern Friday. DGIF. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we love it. So, yeah. Speaking of uh, Grace is here. She was also with me when we were at the Trump event in Somerville. Yes. The other money. She's like, I'm. Taking off school, I want to come and be a part of this. Very so, smart. Grace, walk us through your first political rally. And that's quite the first political rally. Correct. Country. It's not like a Nikki Haley or someone else. There's like maybe 200 or so people. This is a couple thousand people, and it was a Trump event. They, they're bringing the energy. Unique. They're bringing the passion. Yeah. How was it for you, Grace? It was the best way to describe it is crazy. <laughs> as soon as I walked in, I had to park far away, so I walked in with a bunch of supporters. And just listening to them talk about everything was so funny. And then we watched Trump come in in his car, surrounded by tons of police and Secret Service. And everyone was standing, waving to him, yelling, make America great again, Trump 2024. And it was just funny to be standing right in the middle of all of that. And then when we walked in, I was surprised how busy it was. Mm -hmm. I knew that there were going to be a lot of people, but I didn't think it was going to be that many people. Mm. 
And so much red, white, and blue. It was really impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's like a festival atmosphere. Yeah, right? like, like people dressed up as Uncle Sam. <laughs> yeah, there's a whole vibe there. And um, yeah, we were doing interviews, and I was like, Grace, sometimes like the easiest way to find folks is like, you know, they're very expressive. Mm. Everyone has an opinion, especially like Trump voters. I find like they really want to share it. it. They want to talk. You just need to talk to them. You know, yeah. people want to hear, be heard. And uh, I'm like, let's look for some interesting people. And like you know, the red, white, and blue was very prominent. So you reach out to those folks, and everyone wanted to talk. And I feel like when I do talk to voters, obviously we're very middle of the road, but it's like my little public service to be like, hey, we're not like these scary people. We're all mm. we're all Americans here. Like we just want to understand each other better. So, did it change how you viewed politics? I mean, you've only seen it, I guess, from like. TV or like in the newspaper or online, but like to see it up close and personal, to be like, in it. How different did that make it for you? It was really different. I feel like talking to people and like asking people questions made it seem like it's not as polarized as TV makes it seem sometimes, mm-hmm. which I was actually kind of surprised about, especially since I only study politics on, like, in an academic yeah. sense, mm-hmm. which, you know, we're always talking about public opinion and how polarization happens and stuff like that. So it was really interesting to talk to people and find out opinions in real time and find that they weren't as, some of them weren't as dramatic as I thought they would be. Mm -hmm. And there were some responses that surprised me. Like, I thought that people's next choice of candidate should Trump not win the nomination would be um, Nikki Haley. But everyone that I talked to was saying Ramaswamy, which I was really surprised mm-hmm. about. Yeah, so, they like that. They like that outsider, yeah. outsider streak. I just thought because they're all South Carolinians that they would have more of a spot for Nikki Haley. Mm-hmm. But everyone that I talked to said that they didn't think she was experienced enough, which I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, and they don't like her because she's not Trump enough. I mean, we were yeah. talking to uh, another political consultant for the show, and it was like, you know, it used to be what, like, you know, Reagan was saying, like, 85, if we're together 85% of the time, we're together. Yeah. You know, we can disagree about the other 15%. But, like, now it's like, if you're 99%. That 1% you, you is are, deal breaker. Yeah, 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 you're not. So it's like all or nothing. And Dave's like, I, I can't be all or nothing with myself. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I, I can't agree. agree with myself all the time. <laughs> so it is is interesting to see that, too, and to kind of break that through and listen to folks and not just be like, oh, this is how all those people feel versus, like, this is how other people feel. So. We'll definitely have to go to a different rally so you can see that I'd love other to, dynamic. I'd love to yeah. hear your compare and contrast with a different rally. Mm-hmm. You Me know? too. I would love to go to another rally and like compare and contrast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was such a cool experience and just overall really interesting. Did it make you want to continue poli-sci sort of <laughs> yeah. uh, politics stuff? Yes. Honestly, after <laughs> this was the first time that I had ever asked people questions about their opinions mm-hmm. on politics. And it kind of made me interested in journalism, like political journalism. Mm-hmm. Well, I already was interested in that, but I've always wanted to go to law school. But now I'm kind of thinking political journalism yeah. programs. Mm-hmm. See, that's mm-hmm. you could be a journalist, and you could be a little bit of everyone. Like we're a little bit of a lawyer. I'm kind of a doctor. Like <laughs> depending <laughs> on where we are in the water, a little bit of a psychiatrist. Like yeah, I mean, like you get to put a bunch of different hats on. Like I wish I did have more of like a law background or like a business background, God. just to have like that maybe more like nuanced expertise. I, I, at the I, same time, you can learn a lot from just being a journalist. As right? a uh, the resident music major on this show, <laughs> I just cannot relate to anything you are saying. I don't wish I went to more school. I'm no, very happy with what I've done. I just wish I would have focused more because I I knew what I wanted to do. Like yeah. since I was eight, like I know I wanted to be a journalist. So I wanted I to play have, guitar. Like, yeah, I should have just majored in business or something else to have that as a background instead of just like journalism. Like mm. major in journalism, I was a poli sci minor. Yeah, I was like maybe I should have got a little bit more of like a nuanced approach to academics but 
I say that, and then I got like a D in macroeconomics. <laughs> and I was like, it was one night a week for like three hours? Not oh, God. It's just, it's just, just bad. Between that and astronomy, like. I love astronomy. I was great at nope, astronomy. They, they did not. Anyway, Grace, <laughs> when you're big and famous, don't forget yeah. us little people down well, we'll here. we'll get her to do a story for us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Of so start thinking of some ideas, and we'll get you out there, and oh, we'll, we'll start talking to Thank folks. you so much. Can't wait to talk to you next Friday. Thank you guys for having me again. It's always so fun. Gavin, hit the outro. Tell your friends to listen. Get the young people to listen to us, please. I will. I will. I got you guys. Outros, outros. Well, thanks, uh, Lee, from Easily for Calling. And be like Lee and give us a shout at 803-563-7169. You can also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And you can stay up to date with the latest news on SCTV.org and SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. And don't forget to support your local newspapers. For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. My you, friends are now avid listeners that I was on it. Oh, I told them all the listeners. We are, <laughs> this is how we the, work. Econ Pod.